0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Blues on Parade podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Oh boy, I am not in a good mood. Thankfully, we've got our international break, so I don't have to think about Chelsea Football Club for two weeks. I don't need to see Maurizio Pochettino for two weeks, get a little mental health break, because this past weekend brought up some bad PTSD from last season. A lot of the same same stuff that we hated from last year, it's re- reappearing again this year. But... Anyways, I'm joined with uh, two of our, my co-hosts, Zach, Corey. How are you feeling? Are you as uh, annoyed as I am?
1: Yeah, I had a shitty weekend overall, and Chelsea definitely didn't help. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? Like In a weekend where there was a hat-trick of hat-tricks, goals galore, everybody seemed to find the back of the net. Except, uh, except, except Chelsea. So it's been the story of our lives for the last twenty-four months and counting.
0: Twenty-four months. Wow, it really has. It been that long? I don't know if it's been it's 24. Mu- pretty much, pretty like much
1: two. 18. It's been pretty much two years since we can consistently score goals.
0: Oh, um, probably longer. Consistently scoring goals, yeah. Um, yeah. Andreas, can you remember the last time you uh, felt? Good about our goal-scoring threat
2: preseason <laughs> oh, when the games didn't matter when, the when there games was no didn't pressure matter. when Poch actually played attackers
3: when the last time we won a trophy. <laughs>
0: so the last time we won a trophy. Well, I mean that. Thankfully, that wasn't too long ago. Um, but yeah, that preseason is just a long. Lost memory of joy that I had watching Chelsea Football Club. It was, I, I mean, I just don't know why we even had it. It was just such a tease because the way that we played, the way that Pochettino lined up the squad, it's it, 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 we're not seeing any of that in the regular season. So and I'll start off with the starting lineup uh, Robert Sanchez in goal, DeSasi, Tiago Silva, Colwell in the back, Malagusto. Uh, and Chilwell as the wing backs, Gallagher, Caicedo, Enzo in the midfield. And Raheem Sterling and Nicholas Jackson up top. Same 11 as last match. Uh, I'm so bored. I'm so bored of this formation. I'm so bored of this 11. And, I'm, and the sad thing is, I don't... I'm not holding out any hope for a change. I really don't think we're going to see any change. Um, maybe until um, Nkunku comes back, because for some reason he was the, the difference between us playing in a back four versus playing in a back three. Um, I don't know why. I still don't understand why Chilwell is being played where he is, but Andres, are, are you as bored as I am with this eleven?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I said it last week uh before the midweek match where I said it's same shit, different stink. I mean it's it's the same stale possession, slow progression. You know, people want to throw stats at me telling me, oh, we are top of the league and crosses, top of the league and all these things. Like we should be better than we are. But the reality is we're still in twelfth place. And and this formation lacks anything that makes me think we can beat a low block it is sideways passing it is get into the final third circulator around the box frustration cross it's 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 everything we've seen all the way back to Tuchel. we saw it again under potter saw it once again against lampard uh with, with lampard not against even though the team did feel like they were playing against the manager there it just it just sucks it sucks to see our team do the same thing over and over again. And it, this formation is the root of the existence of, of the boredom. I feel like.
2: Um, yeah, I
1: got to double down on what Andy just said, but to also add to it, I am, uh, I think the most frustrating aspect of this, I don't know if you want to call it run a form, pass a form, whatever it is. I mean, although it is different from last season in terms of, you know, the players, actually do give a shit we actually do uh a a leader for the front line and nico jackson i mean there are some aspects of this team that are very different from last year but in the same way as last year and even i mean even going back to the tuchel the tuchel days at least in the premier league we're getting hamstrung by our managers it's the managers that are holding this team back you know it's the team selection it's the formation it's the way in which they're told to play um, and I just can't help feeling that way about this game. I know Thiago Silva had some things to say to a fan after the match and said it was a back four and whatnot. This is a back three. It was very much side-to-side passing. Um, I saw the center backs on the ball too much. I didn't see enough line-breaking passes. I didn't see enough runs off the ball, and there clearly wasn't enough attacking presence on the pitch. I mean, when when you're resorting to... You know, Nico Jackson or Raheem Sterling creating a moment of magic, um, you know, against a low block like this, neither of those guys have been proven to do that um, at all in the Chelsea kit, and asking them to do it time and time again is just, it's madness. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just can't help but feel that this one was on poch, and you know, it's one thing if you put out a strong attacking team and you really go for it and we lose in a shootout, I, I can accept that. You know, if another, if we go out there and lose 4-3, fine, so be it. At least we went out there, we put our chances away, and, you know, it's easier to to work on the defensive shape than it is to find an attacking formula that works long-term. So Potch really needs to get it together, man. I mean, it, it's blatantly obvious that this formation doesn't have enough attack in there regardless of the chances that we're creating and i th- honestly think we're putting too much pressure on our attackers to create that moment of magic you know granted we do create two three big chances a game in my opinion that's not enough uh, um especially considering the fact that we can't score goals so <laughs> definitely another attacker is needed
0: yeah man it's it's deja vu i feel like i'm i'm reliving what happened you know the issues that we had under Tuchel, under Graham Potter. It's so frustrating, and I don't understand what happens to managers when they come to Chelsea. It, I really don't know if it's pressure from the board to do a certain thing, or it's the, the pressure of, you know, like the job of being the manager of Chelsea. It, it really just... It, when, there's, when there's a consensus... Among fans, I mean, the, w- w- us watching, we are not football experts, okay? Pochettino knows way more about soccer than okay. But for some reason, he's making the wrong decisions every time. It's like keep it simple, man. Why are you trying to complicate things? It really doesn't make sense. I mean, if you look at the numbers, we were the better team. Seventy-six percent possession, two point three expected goals, twenty-one shots, only two on target. Three big chances, A.K.A. three big chances missed. Six hundred thirty-two passes on eighty-nine percent accuracy. We had seven corners to Forrest zero. Um, two like it's, we, and we conceded one goal off of two big chances
2: that that Forest had. So maybe it's not all on put po- on Pochettino, because I
0: think the players still aren't 100% there, but, Zach, you mentioned it. It does have to do with the player selection, the formation, a lot of that, but still it's, you know, like 2.3 expected expected goals, 21 shots total. We shot the ball 21 times, only two on target. I mean, I don't even want to mention the Nico Jackson miss because when that happened, I literally just, like, yelled out, like, in pain, like, I can't do this again. I can't do another year of this, guys. <laughs> I, I can't. It just felt so bad, Andres.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, I think when we look at the numbers here in the 90 minutes, 2.3 XG or, or whatever, yeah, 2.3 looks fantastic. But you said it. We took 22 shots. If each of those 22 shots is 0.1, 0.2, we're going to get to 2.3 because it's a number. It's, it's measured by the amount of shots we're taking. It, 2.3 XG means something positive if we only took eight shots, if we only took five shots. That means they were high quality, must have scored, and it was an unlucky day. So like, I see a lot of people online just brushing off the performance, and my thought process is those 22 shots only gave me 2.3. A true dominant performance would have given me an XG of five and And that's where I think the issues come here, because the eye test tells you that, yes, while we kept the ball, we didn't do jack shit with it we We know Mudrig took a shot from forty yards out that got blocked. Guess what? That shot adds to this two point three x g mm-hmm. so
2: it it's just i I don't
3: I don't think that Potch is putting himself in a position to win games by prioritizing our already good defense um, if that makes sense like I know we're leaking goals but I think they're more concentration lack thereof mistakes than teams breaking us down if that makes sense
1: I think I think it's you know um, it's also to back up what you're saying Andy it's a result of the players being under a lot of pressure too I mean if they're sitting Cushion. Maybe maybe he tries to play a first time flick over the top and find Nico or you know it, it could be a completely different story. The players will perform differently if there's if there's a padded cushion It gives them more confidence to play out of the back and you know take more risks even on the pitch which sometimes can uh, Be of our advantage. So I don't think the fact that we're scoring goals is helping obviously Um And I think that that's adding to the pressure that these players are under and let's not forget I mean, even though we spent upwards of $100 million on Kaiseido, the guy's only 21. Our average age of the squad is 22 and a half. That news came out earlier this week. I mean, it, it, it's, it's very clear that the team lacks experience and they lack poise to kind of muscle their way out of a 1-0 deficit or, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, we conceded first in three of our first four matches. It's, it, it, it's yeah, alarming. I mean, this team has clearly shown a lack of ability to fight back. And it's partly due to the lack of experience and also partly due to the fact that we don't have an Eden Hazard type of player that can sort of pull us out um, when things get tough or when the rest of the team isn't necessarily clicking. But also, um, I wanted to add to your point, Andres, because you know you, you mentioned a really good point about the XG conversation and that just the fact that we took 22 shots and everything's point it is going to add up to 2.3 eventually, and that's true. Um, and just for some context, Man City scored five against Fulham this week. They only took seven shots and they had a 2.26 XG. If we're rounding that up, it's go. 2.3. So if Manchester City is able to get 2.3 XG out of seven shots, imagine what they'll be able to do with 21. And that's exactly my point. It's great that we're, con- that, that, you know, reading the XG numbers is one thing. And I see a lot of people going, oh, well, we created X many chances and we have this many big chances and we're towards the top of the table. Yeah, that's fine. But who do we have in our team that's able to put those chances away? So all that means is that we have to create double or triple the amount of chances that we're currently creating to get anything out of these players, to get any sort of return uh, in regards, in in terms of goals. And that's my big problem here. Um, You know, the shots that we were taking, they were either outside the box, they were forced. Um, You know, Enzo, Gallagher, Nico Jackson, Sterling... Pretty much everybody except Thiago Silva managed to send the ball into every row in the stands besides, um, you know, hitting it on target. So that to me is the most alarming thing. You know, who gives a shit if we're taking 21 shots? I would rather take seven quality chances than 21 half chances just out of being completely desperate. And especially when you're playing against a low block, you know, shots are going to get blocked. You have to create those clear-cut chances. And let's be honest with ourselves. It's not the first time we're going to see a low block this season. We're going to see it against every single team we play against, unless they're playing against Arsenal or uh, Liverpool or City.
3: So Brighton, Ta- uh, Tottenham, New Brighton Kansas, Only Tottenham, the teams yeah. that are that think they're better. Pretty though.
1: much the European Period. teams. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The teams and we need to be problem. beating at the table. Like the 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 same issue that's. Plaguing us now is going to be the same issue that's going to plague us later on if Poch doesn't find solutions. He's going to encounter the same exact formula. If you're any other team in a league, you look at the way West Ham played against us in the second half, the way Nottingham lined up against us today, uh, the other day. That's the formula to beat Chelsea: two low blocks, take you, you take your one or two chances on the counter, and you go home with a point or three points.
3: Yeah, and and you mentioned the lack of risk, and I think that's what happens here. It's it's the inexperience or, or the way we're set up doesn't play to, to taking the risk that will break down this block we talk about 632 passes this weekend 89 pass completion that tells me we played it safe we played it safe against a bottom table team we're not taking enough risks to where we're okay with missing that through ball because we're just not even trying it like again oh we're number one in crosses tell me how many of those crosses were completed tell me how many of those crosses ended up in a dangerous position they're not Malo Gusto, people are giving him shit. Again, a 20-year-old kid, he's just trying to make something happen. He's just spamming crosses. They're not going to anybody. It it's it's crazy. And, and to me, it's it goes back to having to play three at the back because it's three at the back. Yes, Levi Cole will sliding left, but at the end of the day, the ball moves forward and three guys stay back every single time we're in possession. Which means that's one less guy attacking, one less guy overlapping, one less guy creating chaos to this organized low block. And, and this may be a hot take and some. I wonder if you agree with me. Yes, individually. Again, you look at the numbers post-match. Enzo, fantastic. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. But playing him forward is not benefiting the team as much if he doesn't have a number 10 with him. Because he is getting the ball by the time the team is already at two low blocks. That 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 deep pass, that huge cross he can play into space no longer exists when he gets the ball because he's getting the ball approaching the final third, not in the middle of the pitch, not in transition. So w- do you think I'm onto something here or, or am I just kind of like he, uh, nitpicking? I mean,
1: I could speak on this really quickly. I'm on your side with this because you just look at his performance against Liverpool when he was picking up the ball in deeper positions and sort of, I mean, to use it a, a term that's super American, But he was quarterbacking, essentially. Um, How many times did he switch the the point of attack against Liverpool? At least 15 to 20, where he received the ball, two touches in the middle of the pitch, switched it from right to left or left to right, whatever it might be. And to be fair, our attack looked really dynamic as a result of it. Like, you know, yeah, Trent was... Completely vacating the right side, and Chilwell was finding tons of space. But the point remains that Enzo's able to find those passes and find those weaknesses. If he's higher up the pitch, you're getting him the ball later, and the team's already set, like Andres said. So, yeah, I'm fully on your side with this. And I think the remedy to the solution, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me, is you go 4 2 3 1. You reduce the, you, you take out one midfielder, probably Connor Gallagher, you play Caicedo and Enzo next to each other, and then you get both of them on the ball to kickstart. Our Attack and our build-up play as opposed to having Tiago kickstart our attack and build-up play They'll essentially occupy the same positions because like I just said we're gonna be playing against a lot of low blocks Um, So for me, yeah, Enzo does need to be playing a little bit deeper and we do need to have another another number 10 in front of him In order to maximize his production you, you have to have runners You have to have off-the-ball movement. You need diagonals. You need people running to corner flags. You need overlaps. You need overloads. All of these different things. And in order to create those, you know, you have to put more attackers out on the pitch. If you look at our heat map, every single attack went down the left-hand side. Why isn't, you know, we saw Amalo Gusto and Sterling play really well. Why didn't, why are we not combining on the right-hand side more often? I feel like if we play that 4-2-3-1... That three behind the striker is going to be much more fluid. Sterling's going to be able to pick up the ball where he wants. 10's going to be able to float around and, you know, ch- chop and change with Enzo as they please. It just seems like it's going to be a lot more fluid. The preseason was proof. We looked so good. And it's not... To, and Yeah, I get it. It's preseason. You're playing against, you know, a bunch of players that probably aren't even going to wind up, you know, making the squad at the end of the day. But still... The, the way we were playing is exactly how we should be playing in the Premier League. Play free-flowing. If you take the shackles off of these players and allow them to make mistakes and, and not punish them for it either, give these guys a run-of-game. I'm talking about the Mudriks and the Maduekes and the Motsins. You give them the opportunity to make the mistake time again and eventually they're going to figure it out and they're going to grow in confidence. And that's 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 the frustrating part about all this, and I think you know if you play them with a guy like Enzo, you could unlock Enzo's potential, and at the same time, you get something out of another player that you weren't getting out of before. I don't yeah, see how but, it could be a negative, guys. Like it's it's Zach, crazy.
0: Wait, hold hold on. Hold on. I, you're saying that we played through the left too much. We weren't going down the right. I feel like it was the opposite. Like yeah, like the ball was on the right side way, way more often on the left, and, like, that, and Chilwell, I think, was met kind of the reason for it, because he, he, so high up the pitch. he can't play, yeah, he can't play there, you know, I mean, I mean he's, he's if not even tracking back, if you're, if you're gonna play Ian Modson in that position, like, I think it's a little bit different, because he's a better dribbler, he's more creative, um, you know, he's better, sure. with, yeah, exactly, like, I still don't understand the logic behind it, but anyway, um, I think Logic the ten that we're at left of, at left wing. You mean right? Yeah, Um But and I think that the solution to our ten um, was I think might be Cole Palmer because I thought when he came in, he actually looked very promising. He looked great. Um, I don't think we've recorded since we've since we made the deal, no. um, but I was really excited about that. Um, I think. It, a big, you know, the, the Chukwemeka injury was a big reason for it because mm-hmm. I still I just want to believe that we're playing, like, remember we have a lot of injuries right now and that we're playing this formation due to the availability of players you know, what the personnel that we have he is kind of forced to play in this way I don't Hundred percent believe it because in the in the preseason we were playing that formation and Nkunku was playing on the left and Chukwameka was still starting before he got hurt he was still starting at the ten so yeah yes yeah, yeah so what like we have players who can play that left wing so it wasn't for a lack of you know a ten it was you know so I, I really don't understand the logic behind it. I mean, if um, he's
1: willing to play a left-footed player at left wing, I mean, why can't you make the argument that Motsin Armado Matoeke can't play on the left wing? I mean, it's the same exact thing like, Yeah, lefty on the left-hand side. And they totally could. It's just, he's not like select- I, I, ju- I don't get it. I don't get it. And it's different if Chilwell is finding the space like he did against Liverpool. And granted, Liverpool does play very uh, open, which is why he had those chances. But it's, it's not even like we're trying to individually seek out Chilwell in our build-up play so like what are we really getting out of him by him playing left wing because if we're not finding him when he's making those runs into the box he's not really providing anything else from the attacking sense like you said Somp.
0: yeah um hopefully i'll be able to get a thought out before Zach um goes on another rant but um... <laughs> got a lot to say man this <laughs> one pissed yeah. me off be, I, yeah be, we
3: know before, before we move out of the, the Chilwell talk, I, I just want to say another thing because it, it's getting brought up again as well. It's, it's the whole, let's look at the numbers. Chilwell's receiving the ball in the box more than he ever has, yada, 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 yada. But what happens when he does? He freezes. He goes backwards because he's not a guy that's going to suddenly give you three scissors and, and dribble past the guy. He's not going to have that moment of electricity where he's going to beat the guy one-on-one. like his brain does not operate that way he is the lat the late runner that sneaks in and catches you off guard his threat is without the ball we are shackling him by telling him to have the ball at his feet and receiving it in the final third in build-up not as the final pass that just has to shoot or cross that that's all i wanted to add i have the
0: cole palmer thing going back to that um I mean, what, what, I'll start off with you, Andreas, because yeah. we might not be able to finish the episode if I give it to Zach. Um, <laughs> Cole Palmer, <laughs> uh, your initial reactions to the signing and like what you saw uh, on Friday or on Saturday and whether that excited you or not.
3: So I had tweeted that I, in my big tinfoil hat, I was thinking the mystery attacker was Phil Foden because I let the hype of the whole mystery attack get me thinking it was going to be like a ready-made guy. But I mean, Cole Palmer is what Phil Foden was five years ago, right? It was the academy guy that barely gets used at Man City, probably wants to work his way out. He was, I believe, the player of the tournament for England after they won the Euros, and completely flexible across the front line. Left wing, right wing, center uh, center attacking mid, and left-footed as well. What he adds that Foden probably doesn't have is a little bit more straight line speed and the size. So to me, 45 mil, to me, that's really 25 mil plus the 20 million tax of the fact that he's homegrown. That's the way I see it with these young English players. But in terms of his cameo, he came on as an eight, something that he's sort of played as well at City. But the fact that he felt comfortable there, I thought was really impressive. And and the thing I liked was his eye for a, a diagonal pass in behind. There was one or two times where he found Mudrick or attempted to find Mudrick behind the lines. This is where I hope his addition will bring us back to the 4-2-3-1 because now we would have a connector further up the pitch that can relieve that pressure from Enzo or can help us in the creativity part when we play these lower sides, like, like Bournemouth, in a couple weeks. So to me, good early days. I think he's going to have a lot more minutes than people think. And when Chukomeka does get healthy again, if Mudrik or Madueke don't get the minutes or don't give Poch a reason to start them, I fully believe he'll be starting in the wings, at least in the immediate future. If he's not, you know, once the 10 goes back to our original
2: players that we're going to play there. Yeah,
1: Um no, I, I like the look of him. I thought he had a couple uh, really tidy touches. Technically, he looks awesome, but that's expected when you're getting somebody from the, from the pep school. Um, but yeah, no, I think he could provide a lot of value, especially in that hole right behind Nico Jackson and Raheem Sterling. Um, you know, he finds himself in and around the box. He has some pretty nifty touches. He found himself... Uh, who was that? Who, who did he make that extra pass to? I mean, I thought he should have shot it, but he made a really nice like layoff on the right hand side, top of the box. I'm forgetting. I believe it was Sterling who didn't do anything with it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but long story short, I mean, my point being that I do think he has a lot of promise. Um, he still does seem kind of raw. Clearly hasn't gotten the tactical side of things down yet, and that's expected since he's new. But I think he's good competition for a guy like Chukwameca, honestly. Um, you know, similar age. Uh, a little bit different of a profile. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to get that other look. But Here's the thing, it, it, all, all of, you know, all the compliments that we give him don't mean shit if he doesn't get the playing time, and it'll really just come down the potch, so him. Yeah.
2: yeah, which I don't have a lot of confidence in. Um, just
0: yeah. a PSA for everyone, we don't really have, like, a coherent script, I think we just decided, you know, when, when it's times like these, we just say, fuck it, let's ball. We're just going to go off the top of the dome and see where the conversation goes. So that's why it's a little over the place. Um, But um, we did get a question. This one's from Human Capital Department at HCP, DEPT. Why didn't we field our strongest side against AFC Wimbledon so we could get into a winning rhythm? A mix and match side and narrow victory in the week should have been a red light warning for today's game. Where do we go now? Yeah, we, we, we didn't even, we haven't talked about the Wimbledon match yet, um, but that was also very discouraging, even though we weren't able to watch it.
2: <laughs> that, I listened that to the whole thing.
0: <laughs> that was really something. The fact that we did not have a live broadcast of the match, that's absolutely ridiculous. But um, other than that, let's
2: talk about uh, Human Capital Department's question. Zach, what do you think? I mean Poch
1: still talks about some of the guys not even being up to speed. Kaiseido's clearly not um 100% fit. We're hearing rumors now, now about um Lapia not being ready uh immediately ready when the international break is over. I think that had a lot to do with it. Um you know, clearly a lot of the squad is injured and or um still getting their match fitness because <laughs> half of them had just barely got to the club. Um so I think it's a little bit of that um but i think the big worry sign it shouldn't it really shouldn't matter what kind of players you put out against wimbledon i mean it should be expected that you're going to win the warning signs was the per- actual performance itself we struggled to create anything um for big parts of that game at least that's what it sounded like because again we could only hear it but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really looking at the players and saying, oh, well, if we fielded our strongest eleven, we could have got some momentum. No, I think if we fielded our strongest eleven, we would have came out with a similar problem to this. Um, you know, lack of creativity, lack of goal scores, lack of movement, because he would have still put out two attackers. According to Poch, our strongest lineup only has, you know, two forward players in it. So, no, I don't believe that anything would have been different. I think it still would have been difficult. I think a low block is a low block. Um, and Wimbledon still would have made it, you know, a tough day at the office. It's a tough day at the office whenever you only play with
2: two attackers, period. So that's where I'm at.
3: Uh, my thing with Wimbledon is that I think this was the perfect chance to see one last time who Potch can trust in terms of the deeper side of our squad, like the younger, more like is there an academy guy that I can throw in here and there, that sort of thing. And unfortunately, I think it answered a lot of questions. I think, for example, Murera, he's off on loan now. Oh, God. Um, it showed Mason Burstow had to go on loan. He's off on loan now. Little things like that added up. I think it showed, on the other end, Gallagher is still going to be contributing a lot, as he should be, based on how he's played so far. Ugachuku. Uh, Looked lively as well, even though he's had scrap minutes as as well. And then I believe the last one was Marueke. Marueke is probably now the guy that's pushing to get those winger minutes. He looked confident. And again, it's a league two side. Everyone on our bench should have dominated AFC Wimbledon. And yet it took us the course of 90 minutes and throwing our starters back in there to get to our win. So
1: first again, too.
3: Yeah, to me, I think this was the last, the only time to, to answer human capital department's question, the only time that we would see such a C team side. And I think that moving forward, we will see sort of your starting team, maybe a few rotational choices more so than than this. Just what is this 11 sort of situation? I think that, you know, we play Brighton next and, and no matter who we play, I think they're going to be taking the League Cup as more time to, to get these guys truly clicking, because we added more faces after the preseason, like they're going to have to mesh. That's the part where I am very frustrated with how we've selected everything, but we're the only team that has flipped their starting 11 so often as, you know, compared to the rest of the league. Every other team added one or two faces, maybe three, to a well-established 11. And since Bowley and and, and Clear and Clearly came, there's been no eleven. So that's why I'm I'm hoping, like uh, Capital Department said, and and I forget the name of the guy that commented after him, basically saying we're only going to play once a week. I fully expect a strong eleven at, in any League Cup or FA Cup
2: midweek matchup moving forward. You
0: know, you're talking about things that this match showed. It also, for Man United, it showed that uh, maybe Marco Correa isn't the best option on loan for left-back. Um, they, they pulled he out right score.
3: after the game, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They tried to add a January release clause.
0: Such a, It was another stupid decision on us to, to start him. I don't understand that, but anyways, um, I think this question is a lot of like a hindsight in it because, like you guys just said, we're playing against a league two side. Every single player on our squad should be leaps and bounds ahead of of Wimbledon's best player. Like it, it's that's just the talent is not not even comparable. So playing our start our best eleven against a league two side, I didn't think that was that important, but. It's it's the signs. I mean, it's it's this. You played the same formation, right? Uh, I don't can't remember. I'm pretty sure you played the same. Form. Mm-hmm. You're muted, Andreas. Um,
3: it it was the same formation. It was just flipped with Bashir Humphreys at right right back, even though he was yeah. a center back, and Kukureya was was pushing forward. But it was the same crap.
0: Yeah, and so, um, yeah, the warning signs came you know after the match or during the match i don't think that went into the start you know into the decision making of the starting 11 for that match um but yeah we were coming off a big win against you know Luton one of the, one of the premier league giants um so <laughs> i think that maybe he did, he had a lot of confidence going into this Wimbledon match another another english giant um so it's it's the concern is now definitely there. It's going to be there moving forward. Um but where do we go now? That's 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 on Pochettino. That's his job to figure it out. And uh, I hate saying it because I feel like such an overreactionary like just irrational fan. And that you know these are the type of fans that everyone hates, but I'm just don't have the confidence in Putch in making those decisions, right? Like, it's, it sucks to say that, but from what I've seen so far, I don't have the confidence. Let's see if he changes things around. Let's see if, you know, when we have more availability from our other players, he'll start, things will start looking a little bit more like what we saw in the preseason. And I hate, hate bringing that up over and over again, but. What we saw, I don't care who it was against. It was beautiful. It was beautiful what we saw, and we don't get any of that with this formation. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, Mihailo Mudrik, because there has been some discussion about his performances, um, which I think are a little bit unfair, because it, you know, he's getting thrown in, at the end of a match, and barely getting any time to show himself to work himself into the match um in in the eighteen matches that he's played, he came on as a sub in eleven of them, so he he's played a total of seven hundred and twenty minutes across eighteen matches, which is equivalent to a grand total of eight complete nineties so if you're looking at just the minutes, he's really played only eight matches in you know. Half a season from last year, and then what we have right now, uh in four or five matches into the new season. So I think it's still just a little bit unfair to make any decision on him. it It, it hasn't looked great. I'll give him that. like it his performances so far have not been very inspiring, but I think he's just way too talented to not put it together. I really don't see any reason why he can't find his form if he's actually given the chance to play. Um, Andreas, what do you think?
3: That is my argument for this whole thing. Is if, if you think about the few times he did start um, or times that he came onto the pitch when we're not down a goal, so I'll use I, I think it was Lester last year where he was the main threat all game, got caught offside by like an inch a couple times and even scored and got it called back. I think about the Liverpool match just this season. And now he was an immediate threat and we were saying Sterling didn't do anything, then Mutrik came in and he made the, something happen. Number 1, it's about putting him in a position to succeed and there is nothing more frustrating for an electrifying quick Fast player than to be put into a situation where you can't dribble into space, run past a player because they're all sitting deep. So therefore, your main assets, or skill sets, are blocked. And number two is, what is? It's so easy to bring a defender at the end of the game to protect a lead. Yeah, all they have to do is just not mess up horribly. But in the flip side, when an attacker is put in at the end of a game to bring you back it's everything against you, no matter how good you are. It is all going to be against all odds. If you score, you're the hero because it is so hard to make something happen in that situation. So I just think that people need to understand that attackers, especially the kind that like to dribble, the guys that go in, they need to feel the game. They need to feel the you got to get a feel for how they're being defended, how the guy that they're going one-on-one against for 70, 80 minutes of a match is going to try to approach him. Is the center back going to come in and help him if you beat him on the dribble? Are you being double teamed when you put your head down to dribble? These are all things you're only going to figure out when the game starts. Think about yeah. Eden Hazard. I'm just going to use Eden Hazard as, as an example. The dude would come in and his His performance would get better, 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 better into the 90 minutes because he would understand how people would defend him. Uh, You think of of guys like your Vinicius Juniors, the guys that you know are just going to dribble every time they touch the ball. They're going to fail a couple times early in the game because they need to figure out what is the trick against the guy in front of me. That's just how it goes. The game of dribbling is a game of chance. You're gambling in yourself. Okay, I'm going to try faking right and going left. Did that work? I'll do it again. When you only have 10 minutes to do that, you're going to see... It's like being a salesman. You're going to get nine no's before you get a yes. And that is what being a wide attacker is. And I just think that for both Mudrik and Mandueke, hell, even Sterling, you have to start these guys. Give them a chance to start and see how the game builds up to see their true potential. A guy, like, again, he's only played... What did you say the number was, Some I, I, I lost my spot. matches.: spot. Eight full matches. The dude came in without a preseason the first time around. He's already on coach number four, or sorry, three because he came in under I, no no four four. I take it back four because Bruno Salto uh, was there. Yeah, we count so them. again, it's just a shit show, and you haven't given him a chance. What happened this preseason when he was like getting hey here's forty five minutes at least because he wasn't even starting everything? Go. That's when we saw. Yeah. moments we saw the connections we saw him actually score he's coming in when those spaces no longer exist every time he's come in the season i bar liverpool which again was a good performance it's not the situation where these young guys are going to thrive even putting in cole palmer late was pro. i was nervous about that because i was like people are going to shit on this kid if he doesn't do something yeah. magical it's just not the way to do it and It goes back to what we've been saying this whole time. Fucking risk it, Potch. You know you have the youngest team in the Premier League. Lean into that. We as fans will have way more sympathy if the young guys are started and they grow through their mistakes than fucking putting a, a kid In a room and telling him to to bow up against fucking six foot five giants because we need a goal. Like it's it's just it's just never gonna be. You're not gonna get that moment of magic from someone like Mudrik or even Madueke when you put them in that situation. Period.
1: Yeah, that was a really good impression of me, Andy. Um, (laughs) I had to get back i mean you guys just can't take shots at me without expecting a shot back no um look (laughs) look, i i agree with you on the most part you know mudrick definitely hasn't gotten enough minutes i mean that's a no-brainer um but again like you said it's the quality of minutes that he's getting you can't expect a player that's unproven in the premier league to be that impact player off the bench without any experience. The other thing is, I see people drawing comparisons um, with his performances in the Premier League and how well he did at Shakhtar. There's an interview with Alexander Zinchenko, and he actually talks about Mudrik and says that, and he even admits in that interview that the the Ukraine was even four or five years ago. Like, the quality of the league has dropped off massively. So, obviously, that's a reason why Mudrik did so well there, but to expect a guy to come from a second-rate league, um... To the best league in Europe our, and, and the world, let's just be honest. It's it's unrealistic to expect him to sort of hit the ground running and, and and hit all those benchmarks that he hit at Shakhtar. It's a completely different ball game. And the other thing with me is, is like it comes to risk, right? And I keep mentioning that. But you have to, if you're Pochettino, you have to give the green light to these young attacking players to take those gri- those risks. Take. Those chances and make those mistakes, like I said earlier. I mean, that, that's it, it's so crucial to a young players' development when they know that they have the coaches' like complete green light, in this it, it, for lack of a better word, to just kind of express themselves in, the, in in the attacking phase, the attacking third. You know, I get it if you want to build up play in the first two thirds of the pitch and you want to position them, probably you know, have position cutting it. I get all of that, but once these guys are actually on the ball. You need to just kind of say, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. You do you. You figure yourself out, kind of like Andres is saying. Over the course of the game, you're going to figure out tendencies. Mujic will figure out, oh, you know what? If I can you know, if I can just poke the ball past this guy every time, I'll beat him. And Madoeke says, you know what? I can body this guy every time, I'll beat him. It's sometimes for players, it takes until the 60th or 70th minute for that to happen. And you can't just bring him in in the 70th minute and expect him to sort of download that data on the fly. In the last 15 or 20 minutes of a game. And then make an impact. It doesn't work that way. Especially with young players. So that's a frustrating thing with Mudrik. Uh, and Matueke if you want to throw him in, in, in there also. And I actually fear for Cole Palmer in that sense too. Because all these guys are young. And all these guys need playing time. And they need a run of games. You need to allow them to have 2 or 3 matches on a spin. Where they do play like shit. And then they play themselves out of it. You just can't expect them to you know, turn into prime Neymar, prime Messi in training and then show up and score two goals off the bench every week. That's not how football works. That's the part that, 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 that's, that just baffles me with Pochettino because he's way too goddamn smart for that. And, and you know, the way he treated Son and Deli and Kane, those guys were young when he brought them to Spurs. And he gave them the time and he had the patience with them and gave them that sort of green light that I'm speaking of to express themselves and become the players that they are today. At least Kane and, and 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 Son, but we saw what Del was over there. Who's to say that Cole Palmer can't replicate that kind of form, or if Mudrick hits the ground running, he can't replicate, you know, a a a, a sort of, uh, you know, uh, Son's role on that Spurs team, or Nico Jackson replicate that role at, 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 as Harry-, Harry Kane did. You, know, you got to give these guys chances, and you have to give them multiple chances. Anyways, that's all I got to say about Mudrick's situation.
2: It comes down to just straight up starts and playing time. None of these garbage minutes players yeah. any good. Yeah, let me. Th- I'm trying to think like what are um, what are some discussions
0: that I'm trying to entertain that I saw on uh, Twitter. Um, so actually no, we did get there a Twitter were... question. This one is from. I'm just saying in general. Oh. Um, Brandon at Brand at Wilson for USA. He said, "Should Thiago Silva not start anymore? That's one of the things that I saw a lot of, and I, I I don't get it. I mean, for me, I think it makes sense to you know bench him, but not for the reason that he's not playing well, for the reason that he's you know thirty whatever, however old he is, 39. and he needs a, <laughs> some oh, yeah he needs a break, he needs some rest. So um, I'm all for that, but I don't know, I just." I'm gonna have a look at the issues that this team has right now. Tiago Silva is not the guy that comes to mind that's that's giving the team any issues, in my opinion. Uh does anyone
3: like, Yeah. I, see anything different? I, I just think like you said, I don't think it's like Tiago Silva's dead, like he's no longer good. I think it's playing Tiago Silva means playing a back three. At right now. Because we haven't even tested him in a bad four. So it's again, it's what is our issue? We're not p- progressing the ball quickly enough. So at the moment, playing a back three means we aren't going to go vertical as quickly, because there's no there's no dynamic movement moving forward. And you build up with three at the back, two defensive mids, and now that's five people in the buildup that are deep, or maybe four, because maybe it's just one guy following dropping deep instead of just seeing your two center backs, the one midfielder dropping deep, and then your full backs are now pushing forward. So again, it's to me, it's more of why play a back three when we're playing teams that we know are just going to sit back. That just makes no sense. We want to make the field small for those teams and don't play a back three because then that means that Thiago Silva is going to be a sweeper and gives them even a little bit more space to to counter us with. Let it be your will plus one. Let it be Body of Shield when he comes back. It'll be maybe will Body a Shield if you don't trust Disasi in terms of the Premier League quickly enough. But it's what happens to the team setup because Thiago Silva's on the pitch? And again, there is a time and place for it, playing the back three. Right now, when we're playing these bottom half teams, we we had a discussion, I think it was right after Liverpool, about how many points we were supposed to tally up in the next month. And we are way, way below what we were aiming for. Because all these teams are bottom half teams. We should have been just pummeling these guys and and again being brave trying things we're taking the complete opposite approach by playing Thiago silva he is a safety blanket he is a guy that's going to keep us in a game we're not supposed to win because he's the cerebral defender it's that skill set right now is not helping us move forward and evolve into the next next generational group of chelsea players this new spine whatever you want to call it so again, not a dig at Thiago Silva. I have nothing to say about his performance in a negative way. It's just what it means for the team when he's on the pitch. Yeah. I so mean, you don't people... think
0: we can play him in a back four?
3: It's not even that. I think you could. It's just that we're not trying it. Like if you, if if the argument for not playing him in a back four is that he's got no like straight line speed, then don't play him in a back four until you need to protect the lead. Yeah. When you can sit back and then hit him like mm. here and there. Start like, the game with the guys that can go toe to toe with fast strikers and wingers. Like, we are like all of our center backs, literally, all of our healthy center backs and add body to the list can make the long passes. Maybe not at the level of Thiago Silva, but that comes with, with age and experience, but they can do it. We saw body shield do it last season. We've seen Cole will do it. And based on DeSassi's scouting report and what he's done so far, he can do it too. Yeah, he can do just it.
1: trust them. I would argue that, I would argue that those guys. Are even more progressive than Tiago Silva. Not to say that they're better, but I think they do look for the forward pass more than Tiago does. Especially Levi Colwell. I think I think he's always looking forward for those passes. But yeah, I agree with you completely in terms of we're playing Tiago Silva to sort of uh, or we do play Tiago Silva. It's we do have to play a back three, especially if the other team is going to try and hit us on the counter. That recovery pace is an issue. But to just kind of talk about him and the whole you know being washed debate. It's it's total nonsense. Meg means that they're washed, and that means Levi Colwell's washed too, because he got megged last week against Luton. You know, everybody gets megged in football. It's just like in the NBA. If you get crossed over, it doesn't mean you're a bad defender. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, great off defense every single time. Well, how does the saying go? Something like that, right? But. With Thiago Silva, I do think we could play him in a back four, not to say that that's my preference, especially if we're playing against teams that we know we're going to have a lot of the ball against. I think playing De Sassi and Colwell or De Sassi and Badia Shield, because let's not forget they were teammates at Monaco. They probably have good chemistry already. Um, that would be my preference, obviously. But I think Thiago Silva could play in a back four. He did it with Brazil in the World Cup last year, and they did fine defensively, Um and I think against teams like Man City or even Arsenal, where we are going to be giving up a lot of possession, Thiago Silva will be coming in handy if we do play a back four. Because, like Andres said, he's a cerebral defender. He can read the spaces and he can, you know, cut off uh, cut off the supply line to the forwards um, when we are defending. But on the whole, I mean, it just the whole debate for me really just goes down to Thiago Silva's own, only needs to be dropped for the sole fact that we need to play a back four in the immediate future. That's it doesn't mean he's crap, doesn't mean he can't produce, doesn't mean he can't be of service this season. I'm sure there's going to be times where he's going to save our asses. Um, But right now, at this point in time, if taking him out of the team means that we go to this 4-2-3-1 and add another attacking player, especially a 10, then that's what we have to do.
0: You mentioned uh, Levi Colwell being washed. Um, Are we going to entertain? I I saw on Twitter so many people tweet about how he shouldn't start for Chelsea ever again. Uh, I, what is,
2: <laughs> Levi that,
0: or Thiago Silva? Is Where is that coming
1: from? Levi, Levi, I seen that today too. No.
0: It has to be, it has to be trolling. I feel like I mean, or like, but I don't, I, when I looked Clickbait. at it, there was a lot Clickbait. of like, yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. I don't think if there's anyone who's listening who actually feels this way, please reach out to us so that we can block you on Twitter and <laughs> not not have to hear you ever again but um, I mean I know I I know yeah. what he thinks
1: is really a. I, I I know it's a back 3 just based on the way it looks with the eye test but like even if you want to yeah. make the argument that Kobel's not a left back he's a pretty damn good serviceable left back for a guy that's playing out of position so I don't understand yeah. that argument whatsoever at all
0: it's like it's I've, I think it's like kind of like how uh, on Real Madrid Militao sometimes he'll play as right back um it's kind of like the same kind of thing that he, he can't play there. He's not a right back, but um, I don't yeah. know.
2: He uh, could, could fill in a hole there, yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's see. Jonomics
0: uh, on Twitter, he, this isn't really a question, but I think this is a, a good, passionate statement that he made. Um, he said, just don't get it. He had the blueprint in preseason, four in the back. Free-flowing attacking football goals back to Charity FC again. Gusto was a positive, but that's it. Every side that wants three points now will will run two banks of four on the edge of the box and wait for our CDMs to assist. <laughs> that's I, I kind of kind of on point, um, but you know I, I think that's kind of what we've been saying this whole episode. But I do want to touch on Malagusto because, uh. I thought this was his first match um, where he didn't look too great, and uh, I don't know. Like it kind of gave me flashes of like, for, like the past two, like the day from the last two years. Like the quality of his crosses were not amazing. I know you guys mentioned it earlier that you know it's it's that he's a twenty-year-old kid. You know, trying to make something out of out of nothing. Um, So, you know, I'll give him, you know, that that's that's totally understandable. But uh, I just didn't think that his performance was a positive. I'm not going to say it was a bad performance, but I don't know. Did you guys see anything different?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll go I'll first on this one you. because I, I saw the criticism of him as well. And it, people have such short memories because the guy desisted two goals last week. Um, no, his vision doesn't yeah. suck. And no, his crossing doesn't suck. What sucks is our team's positioning in the final third, um, especially the off-ball movement. There were multiple times – and you can go watch the extended highlights on YouTube. Just pause it whenever the ball goes into wide positions and just – Look at where our players are positioned. There was multiple situations where the ball would go out wide, crossing opportunity, and you have basically four attackers out of the five that are in the box occupying the same zone. You don't have you know two two or three people on the front post, one person uh, you know at the penalty area for a cutback, and then late runners far post. Instead, you have either post or everyone at the front post or you have nobody at either post, um, especially when Nico drops in deep, which he loves to do. And, you know, kind of play like a false nine every now and then where he drops deep, spits the ball wide and then runs back, back into the box. We're crossing the back of the box before Nico can make his run sometimes. Um, so I don't think it goes down to bad crossing. I think, it, you know, that is a part of it. Obviously, the crossing could be improved a little bit. But for me, it's the off the ball movement and the types of runs that the players are making off. The ball. Our attackers have no idea when to arrive into the box, and uh, it, or, or even where to go for that matter. It seems like the only time that we made a correct run in the in the 18 for a cross was um, Nico Jackson's goal, and that's about it. So outside of Nico, I don't think anybody's capable of making those runs. And for me, that's what it comes down to. And if, maybe if we get another attacker out on the pitch, we'll be able to create those overloads in the box, and maybe have another extra body in there that that you know guys like Malagusa, or Chilwell, whoever's crossing the ball can find, but no, I'm I'm, I'm not buying that the whole Malagusto's a, a a bad crosser of the football. Not not for a second. He's he's too technically good to be bad of a cross to, to be that bad of a crosser. It's an overreaction.
0: Here, here's another thing. Sorry, I wanted to point out. Um, I thought it was a point of emphasis in uh, the preseason that Pochettino was going to eliminate crosses in the air, and I feel like every time we're down and trying to like come back that we see a lot of that and i don't know why we regress into that kind of play style um but we need to start creating down the middle like everything is done from the wings and i think we have the personnel to start playing in the middle or creating and down the middle some more but i don't know It, it again this is just another thing that we that Pochettino kind of talked about in the preseason, and we saw it then, and it's just going away during the it's regular season.
3: It's a system. There's no overlapping. There's no way for the fullbacks or the wingers to make it all mm-hmm. the way to the byline and do the cutback cross. It's just we're waiting. We're way too slow to bring the ball forward. You talked about building up the middle, maybe being a little bit more vertical. Those spaces won't be there if all the buildup goes immediately wide. It's yeah. always going to be get the ball wide, try to beat your man one v one. Oh, would you look at that? There's still nine guys behind him. Who would have thought? So, <laughs> yeah. I, again, it's that lack of of movement because of how we're set up at that point. And and again, I'm gonna I want to give him the benefit of the doubt until after international break. My concern, like you said, that there might not be a change is is pretty high based on the fact that only like five players are at Cobham in the next week due to whether injury or not being selected. So it's like, what, what are these guys really going to work on? How can he, you know, draw up a, 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 you know, sort of like what Conte did where he was working the back three and then made the switch to a back three after the Arsenal loss. Like we, we don't have that right now. No, he did it at halftime. I know, but, but in the background in terms of like, you know, the weeks of practice, he was, slowly working there you know like the players knew exactly what to do i'm hoping that again the preseason was not for nothing and and hopefully he feels more confident now that cole palmer is on the side and again a lot of pressure on a 21 year old kid but we've been doing that all summer so
2: yeah
1: i mean uh, random thought but i want to bounce it off you guys and see what you think um We had this discussion in our group chat a couple weeks ago about how Postacoglu is lining Spurs up. And granted, they did drop points this season, but they did it by playing free-flowing, attacking football on the front foot, right? Am I the only one here that would rather lose playing free-flowing front foot football? Like, these losses would be a lot easier to swallow if I knew that we were creating more chances, we were scoring more goals, and it was just a matter of shoring things up at the back. Like,
0: remember those good old days? Definitely. I, def- I mean, as far as, like, entertainment value, yeah, I would enjoy him watching a match much more. But a loss is a, a loss. I'm not going to like it no matter what. No, but, but, but at least he hasn't it'll be lost. more. Well, I'm just saying, Zach, Guys, like, wouldn't you rather lose... Playing that way, then yeah. So I'm
1: thinking like, yeah, drop points. Maybe not. Maybe not lose. He he dropped points once.
3: Yeah, he dropped points once to to Brentford, which is not away at Brentford. It's not even a bad thing. He beat United yeah I mean, they lost in, in the
0: Carabao Cup, but yeah, they lost
3: like, their yeah, their, their depth is nowhere near as good as ours. like let's also call a spade a spade. The dude is going risky and it's working, and, that, and he's building to something because his players will get better, yeah. they understand the system, and and yes, they're going to get spanked one day by a better team. We haven't seen it yet. They're undefeated because they're being brave in their approach. With and the key thing, less quality. The key thing is
1: scoring in the first goal, too, like I keep bringing it up but it's it's it, it's worth emphasizing yes. we concede first far too much we do not put teams under pressure we don't don't put we don't put this to the wall and frankly we're not scary to play against anymore stanford bridge isn't a fortress this team isn't tough um we're just easy to beat like the formula is clear i mean who, who, who was the one that said it uh john omic said it earlier blueprints of Two banks of four, wait for one of our players to make a mistake, and take one of your two chances. You can walk away with three points yep. every single time.
3: Yeah, with points, period, because, okay, Chelsea maybe beats you in quality and gets one back, but how often do we see us get more than one? It's, it's,
2: not, it's yeah. not often. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We got another Twitter question, or this is not really a question, but another topic
0: that we can talk about. Uh, from Ronnie Ackerth at CFC underscore Ronnie. Shit result, but so relieved Gallagher and Monson here. This
2: oh, patience, um, yeah, we I think we should also talk about that. Um, the whole Gallagher and Monson
0: because it it felt like with the Gallagher thing. I was starting to, you know, come around on him, and then this, you know, the news comes out that, was it Spurs that made a bid for him for 45?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I don't want to let him. Uh, but with Motson, that is a completely different story. I think, I think let's start off with Gallagher for a sec, because the Motsen thing, that was just, like, pissing me off, but Gallagher... Um, I'll start off with Andreas because, Zach, obviously, um, that's your boy, and I want to hear from you after this. Um, Andreas, what, how did you feel about the deal?
3: I think it wasn't. it's not the right time to sell him. We loaned out Andre Santos, and he's done what he's been asked for so far, which you can't blame the guy. I think he brings a little bit more... In you know, a weird way stability in terms of what we would put out there. Like if if the youth and experience is is all we're like missing, then Gallagher is our most senior midfielder, I believe. Um so for me it was it was key to keep him this summer with the option of selling him in January when prices are even more inflated. That's the way I see it right now. If we can get Lavia to click. And Lavia is who we're supposed to believe he is for 60 million, then I'd be okay with selling Gallagher. Right now, we don't know what Lavia is, period. He hasn't stepped foot on the pitch. We can't just say, oh, we got Lavia, get rid of Con- Connor. So that's where I'm at there. Um, I also think it's a very lucky set of dominoes falling in incomplete moves that kept Connor Gallagher here, starting with Paulina not going to Bayern which means that Hoyberg didn't go to Fulham, which means that Fulham didn't have the funds to bid 50 instead of 45. Yeah. So I think a mix of needing to keep Gallagher with the added bonus of Spurs not being able to force our hand into a
2: sale helped us keep Gallagher here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think it would have depleted our midfield depth, especially with the Andre Santos loan. Um, you know, and after the performances we've seen in the first four matches, I think Gallagher's added a couple million to that 45 price tag that we talked about in weeks past. So um, I'm glad he stayed. I still think he'll contribute to the team. I mean, so far I think I'm still winning the bet. Um, you know, he he had three out of four good games so far. Um, but I, I do just want to point out, and the same goes for Motson. You know, these are sagas that you need to keep your eye on. I mean, it just because they didn't get sold in this window doesn't mean that there aren't going to be offers for these guys in January if they don't break into the team or get consistent playing time. I think with Ian Matson, it's more of a situation of, I think he has a good rapport with Potch. Um, you know, I think he's developing well under him as well. I think he's enjoying playing in the attacking positions. And I think he just kind of wants to see how things shake out the next couple months before ultimately making a decision. Um, The same goes for Conor Gallagher. I mean, unlike uh, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher is actually a fan of Chelsea um, and he wants to stay and fight for his spot. So, you know, who's to say that Gallagher wouldn't have pulled the same move as Motsen in terms of rejecting the move to Tottenham just because he wants to be here and because he believes he can fight and, and find a way into this team consistently like he has. So. Good on both of them. I mean, this is exactly the mentality you want out of your academy boys. You don't want them accept, accepting moves to clubs lesser than Chelsea. You don't want them accepting moves to clubs that are, you know, potentially relegation ridden. I'm talking about Burnley in this situation. Um um and, and you duality of no, this is my boyhood club. I I you know, I just broke into the first team. Let me Answer or at least find the answer to all the questions uh, that I have about my career here before I ultimately make a decision about the next step. So, good on both of them in that sense. And also to point out, this is the best possible way to get rapport with Chelsea fans, especially if you're a guy like Ian Motson. We were all shitting bricks when we found out that we accepted Burnley's bid, but Motson gave them the I want to stay at Chelsea. And that's exactly what you want. Um, So, good on both of them.
0: I fucking love Ian Motson for that. I am so disappointed with the club for even considering selling him. Um, you know, I understand the, the added context of they wanted to offer him a new, you know, long-term contract. He signed and, it. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying that this was the, the kind of, you know, the, the whole point. There's like, if you don't sign this contract, we're going to get rid of you. But uh, that's really scary. That's a really scary style of management. Um, I'm we're and we're so lucky that Ian Motson did what he did. You know, like that. That was a hundred percent him having passion for the club, him wanting to stay. Um, I mean, obviously, I think Burnley the way that they're looking, they might get relegated again. Um, unfortunately, this year, but. Um, you know, I think that obviously had to do with it. Like which situation would you rather be in? Um, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to go play in the championship again next year. Um, but yeah, man, I'm the way I'm feeling about him right now was the way that I felt about Chilwell in the beginning. And I slowly am like just falling in love with him. And, And I'm so happy that we also kept Kukurea. Because I get to keep my agenda that Ian Matson's actually a left winger and not a left back. <laughs> um, so we'll see about that. Um, so with that being said, I am officially announcing uh, the charter has been filed. Um, I've officially formed the Matson Mafia. This, I am the, <laughs> and, it, and it's Mafia with two A's. Matson Mafia. <laughs> And me being, the, I'm the perfect president. Myself having the double A, um, S A A N. So it's it's a match made in heaven. Um, match M A A T C H. Match. I hate you so much. It's a match. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you? Here's my question. Do you guys want to join the Matz and Mafia? Applications yeah. are
3: open. For sure, for sure. I think yes. First
2: two. I think what's well.
3: what's going on here, though. Like you're talking about, like I don't like that practice of like signing whatever. I think, I think the club this time around, I think they were like, well, shit, we're we're we need to get funds somewhere because we weren't able to move Kukureya. For some reason, they're they're obsessed with wanting to get all the numbers crunched this summer or or something some like yeah, the, because because
0: the billion dollars in the past yeah but but <laughs> everything
3: you see reported is that we hear like we're at like a 60 mil credit and that was before Cole palmer so we're still technically at like a 25 mil credit and honestly like i hope for the for living god we do not make any crazy signings in january or yeah. or summer like it, it's it's time <laughs> that we like let these guys Just grow like i said yeah, it's been too much squad turnover. Like, there's no, there's a reason why we don't look gelled. But I wanted to say, like, just before the Wimbledon game, the 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 stories were coming out that Poch really trusted Matson, liked how he was training. Like, he didn't see the point in keeping Kukurea when Matson was here, and there's no Europe, yada yada yada. So, like, you talk about keeping Kukureya in terms of left wing. I think Kukureya is about to rot on the bench. I think and if we should. finally go back to a back four, like there is a big chance that Matson could play it left back. It's just a matter of if the wingers wake up and start getting minutes at winger. If they don't, then you're right. Maybe Matson gets his winger minutes again, as he has been. But to me, it's a big, it's a big first step of going in the right direction. I think that now it's, it's the Chilwell-Matson battle for the first left back spot if we go back to a regular back four. Like I, mean, I truly true. think it can be that close um, by the end of this year,
1: and if your theory proves right, Andres, I would right. argue that Kukurea is even our fourth choice left back. Um, right, right. Cole I mean, Cole will. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Cool. Again, okay. I see Cole will at left back. It means to me it's a back three. But mm-hmm.
2: yeah, sucks uh, to be Kukurea right now.
1: Or actually, not so much. How much is he on? Yeah, it
2: he's sucks like to be
0: 180k. Us. <laughs> it sucks to be us because that's we're not making uh, money to making fluff that money. afro exactly I, I don't we're think
3: not... I think chill was the only left back making more money than him in the Premier League <laughs> Dude, that,
0: that's like that's a job right there man you get to just hang out go to live soccer games every day or every <laughs> week uh, front like pitch side seats get paid 100k plus every week just to do nothing. Uh, it's nice. That, that must be really nice.
1: Yeah, imagine, uh, uh, imagine how good Lukaku's life was the last 12 months.
0: <laughs> it's all to get a lot better now under Mourinho. He, he's going <laughs> to love him. I, I totally, I, to- I cannot envision any scenario where that turns out poorly. <laughs> Lukaku and Mourinho. There's, there's literally no chance that doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, oh, not like yeah. it. Not n- 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 yeah. It's not like it hasn't worked out in the past, right? <laughs> it's always been perfect between those guys.
0: Um, should we have a? Is is it too early to have a Robert Sanchez conversation? Because, um, my opinion is the same as it was the day we announced the signing. Uh, I would way rather have Keppa play over him, and I've just been not impressed with him. It, it, I, I still think it was a stupid buy. I don't know why the fuck we continue to help Brighton out. Like, literally, we gave them 20, what, 20 25 mil?
1: 30,
2: I thought. Was it 30? 25, 25. 25,
0: 25. For, t- to get Robert Sanchez off their hands. I mean, this guy wasn't going to play. Um, I really don't understand that deal at all. But all of that aside... He hasn't done much to inspire confidence. I mean, what we, he's conceded five goals on seven shots. Is that is that the number? Yeah. I, I think that I think that's the number. He's only has had two saves all year, um, and his distribution is it's not terrible. It's it's okay. It's pretty. It's it's decent. But every match he's had an errant pass that could have been a disaster. Um thankfully it it hasn't yet but I mean you keep on making passes like that it's going to happen it's going to happen and it's just giving me like it's like giving me Mendy vibes without the shot stopping ability so it's like I really just described to you like one of the worst possible keepers ever <laughs> but I'm not I'm not going to put him put him at that level obviously like it, it, it's he's not shit it just the situation like, everything that transpired, the purchase of him, the loan of Keppa, like, it just, it seems so stupid at the time, and right now, it looks even worse. I really don't understand it.
1: Yeah, it does look like it's an L, um, that move, just in general. As of right now. I mean, it's who's to say that, you know, he can't turn it around and we can get a functional lineup ahead of him, which will obviously improve his game, but... You know, you said you got Mendy vibes minus the shot stopping. I mean, I'm getting Loris Karius Champions League final vibes uh, from him Christ. with his distribution. I mean, he literally threw the ball <laughs> off someone's ass uh, in this game. Oh, what
0: the! He tried, fuck to, that was he, that, he tried man. to. He tried to. Oh. He tried to
1: throw. Did you guys not remember when he tried to throw? The, I don't even know who, who he was targeting, yes. but it bounced off Alonese's ass while his back was turned. Um, I mean, and luckily, yeah, the dude is it, thick. But come
0: on, man! It's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) How big is the? How wide is the pitch? Seventy plus yards, and you managed to hit the one ass
0: (laughs) that you that you probably should have hit. Ass on the pitch. He He did hit the biggest ass
1: on the pitch. pitch, So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so you got to give him He's huge, by the way, and I think he's way too good for uh, for Nottingham Forest.
0: I said this last episode that fool. I mean, he's not. He's not tall. I mean, how tall is he? Like five eleven. He's stacked, bro. He's, he's just—I lo- his. Next time you look at him, just look at his neck. His neck <laughs> is huge, bro. Like, like I love neck. that fool. I—I ju- I, I just added him to my uh, fantasy team. Um, I love that fool. He's sick.
3: Sleeper pick. I my thing with with Sanchez, real quick, is that I just don't know when Poch will make the switch to Petrovic to give him a chance. Like, when is that going to happen? Is he going to trust Petrovic to have his first start against Brighton in the Carabao Cup? Like, that's a... That's not that's, our next
0: match. Our next match is... It's not.
3: It's not. But my question is, is he ready to pull the plug already? Like, do you pull the plug in a Premier League match? It, it, that's that's where I'm at. Like, is... I mean, we're talking about don't Potch, you think Bournemouth...
0: Sorry. I don't think Bournemouth would be like the ideal
1: match. Sure, but,
3: but when is Potch, When has Pod showed us he's going to pull the trigger quick so far? We haven't seen it.
1: I think the ideal scenario would be if we're sitting on a lead. I mean, I'm not a fan of subbing goalkeepers in general, but if you want to like kind of bed him in little <laughs> by little the perfect that world. we're actually. up 2-0 last 15 20 minutes of a game but guess what <laughs> Zero it's never going to happen <laughs> because we'll never <laughs> that's go up to the true
0: dude if if he no 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 i'm saying i'm in saying in a scenario match, i'm not I'm saying gonna, that's what
1: i would do i'm saying in gone. a scenario <laughs> like that's the only scenario i can see poch actually playing him because so based on his starting it. lineup so far and the formation selection he's not a guy that's gonna be chopping changing the team. Like that's that's the bottom line. I fully yeah, expect I mean, Robert Sanchez to start after the break.
0: Like if you think about it, the only two changes that he's made this whole season has been Malagusto in for um James, Reese James that was due exactly. Yep. And then um Caicedo then for Caicedo uh, yeah for Chukomeka injured. Exactly. Chuck. And that and, I mean that was both Caicedo coming in and Chukomeka getting hurt but that, yep, injuries. I think that that was still going, but that that was going to happen probably regardless. But we anyway. thought it was going to be,
3: we thought it was going to be Gallagher, we didn't think it was going to be Chukomeka.
0: Okay, yeah. so those are the only two changes he's made all year, injuries, so I both guess, times. yeah, I guess it's it's uh fair. What you said is very fair.
3: I think it's going to take like an astronomical loss to get Sanchez out, like where where he's because here's my argument the 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 yeah. what's it called the the distribution's shit i agree it's not been good but it's like i can't point a finger at him for one of the goals we've conceded so far where i'm like that's all on sanchez so it's like i think Poch unfortunately <laughs> needs to get that big mistake to happen to pull the trigger and, and for me i think like it's can you get Sanchez to to be fully concentrated for 90 minutes? Like we've talked about this before. There's keepers that thrive when they take 20 shots versus keepers that only take three. Like like Jan Oblak. The dude takes three shots a game and he's gonna stop all three. But he might not be a good keeper in a team that's open and, and is conceding 10, 12 shots a game. Like, can we get Sanchez to adapt from being in a mid table Potter side where they were conceding a lot of shots too, we have the ball and I may not touch the ball for 80 of the
2: 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we did this a lot with Keppa. We said, you know, a lot of the
0: goals that he lets in, it's like, you know, not many keepers are going to make that save. It's, you know, like you can't blame him on that, but if you think about the top keepers, yeah, they're not going to save these like tough chances every time, but they are going to make big saves. Like it's yeah. not like a it's not like a hundred percent chance they'll save these these you know like that that first or uh, the goal against Forest. Like I'm not saying he should have made the save, but a great keeper could have made the save, and I think like maybe fifty percent of the time they do make a save, and He's faced seven shots. He's faced seven shots all year, and hasn't made a save. I mean, he's made two saves. So, it, we can we can save that, but at the same time, like it's fair to say he should have saved that. I really do think that he should have saved the the forest shot.
3: Would you have felt more comfortable pay- paying the sixty million after seeing how many goals Onana has con- conceded? Oh, yeah, um... my opinion on him.
0: Change real quick, real quick, because I was livid after that match against Wolves. Like, why the why the fuck did we not go after him? And now this guy is conceding more goals than Robert Sanchez. But hey, look, it's, like, it's like he he has every more excuse. Goals. He has every excuse in the world when <laughs> United finish a match with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. Forgot about did that you guy. See that? bro?
1: Yep. He was future, future MLS All-Star Johnny Evans.
0: Like, in the year 2023, Johnny Evans alongside Harry Maguire. That is the biggest recipe for disaster, I think, maybe in Premier League history, for a, a, a team contending for a top four. It's finished re- the- that's really insane, but still. Uh, and
1: they broke the Premier League record for uh- a... <laughs> For finishing a match for the first time ever with two refrigerators at center back.
0: <laughs> it's a
2: Premier League first! Wow. The coldest Breaking center back records. duo. Um, the coldest.
1: <laughs> I could come up with more puns if you want they me to. They are
2: cold. They're very cold. Um.
0: Okay. How long? How long have we been recording for? I don't know what else to talk about, guys. <laughs> I.
1: I mean, I think we pretty much covered the bulk of it do you want me to want to tie things up here
0: yeah I mean is there any last things you guys want I mean we have we're not going to talk about the Bournemouth match right now because we have the international break two weeks until that match so we're planning on recording before before then again so um, other than that no no one else has any uh, just pray before this break
3: no everybody pray 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 for the health of these players It's international break. Please. There's a rumor out there that Colwell's got like a hamstring thing. Pray to whatever deity you believe in. And if you don't, pick up a Bible. Give it a read. (laughs) We need everyone's help. We need the... I don't know if anyone here is a Dragon Ball Z fan but everyone like puts their hands up in the air and makes that giant spirit bomb. We need that level of effort from everyone to keep these players bubble-wrapped and ready to go for Bournemouth.
0: Hey I, I'm watching Dragon Ball Z right now in order, by the way. I'm like on episode 22 um, They're
3: still charging up to fight the first battle.
0: Yes, more than <laughs> it, it, they Vegeta just arrived on Earth. Um, oh so my God yeah mm. pretty uh pretty interesting stuff. anyways, um, that wraps it up for today's episode. Um, if you don't already, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Blues on parade. Um, And uh, like we said, a national break. So a well-needed mental health break for all of you Chelsea fans out there. I know I needed it. Um, And until our next episode, keep the blue flag flying high.